This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wode, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal cast and YouTube. <laughs> Alright guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal cast. It's your two most trustworthy hosts. Yeah. <laughs> Me and Reptar. Cody is still dealing with new baby stuff, which is fine. We've got kind of a fun little episode for you today. It's our year in review. We're going to try to do this every year, so we're covering some main things here. We're going personally what our biggest MTG accomplishment is. Financial, otherwise, doesn't matter. What we would personally like to see Magic do in the next year, what our favorite releases events whatever were like set wise gp top eights uh financial bubbles stuff like that and one thing i'm really excited for is actually we're gonna do mtg resolutions reptar and i are gonna pick a different personality or branch of watsi and what we want their new year's resolution to be and what we think will actually happen mm -hmm. rather than what happens in a perfect world so with that let's get started yep uh so for me, my biggest accomplishment this year was actually getting back into competitive magic uh, at a large scale level. Uh, I, between Grand Prix Indianapolis 2012, I think, up until this year, I hadn't played at a Grand Prix uh, size event. I just didn't have wow. the time, and living in uh, the middle of nowhere, Vermont, it's a three hour drive at minimum to a Grand Prix. That's fair, yeah. And so that combined with the EV of the event playing in the event versus judging or working the event is always a consideration and thus playing is lower than yeah actually doing anything but judging started, or something yeah. yeah i started out strong with the ixalan team sealed event in providence oh no that was two years ago all right i continued the trend with two legacy yeah. events so i got to play my favorite format and i played uh burn in philadelphia and i played a reanimator in Worcester right after they banned okay. Deathrite Shaman and Get Probe because they were keeping keeping me down. Political prisoners. Yep. And uh, I had a blast at that event and I, it was a really welcome change to just play testing and reading about the format. Uh, we were, we're trying to build our own little format here but nothing compares to just going out and playing Legacy this time in a team event and just yeah. having insane fun and narrowly missing out on breaks to day two. No, it's not bad. So. Yeah, that's, you know, I actually, so I just, if anyone follows us on Twitter, social media, whatever, you saw that some of us were covering from GPs, SCGs, whatever. I was actually in Columbus this weekend for the Team Modern event, and it was the first time I'd played in about two or three years in a big event. And it was, I forgot how much I loved it. Uh, you know, not that vending doesn't isn't a ton of fun, but like it's nice to just get out, hang out, and see it from a different side. Kind of, it was nice to be refreshed yeah, by you, that. You forget what it's like to play in events when you just work the work a booth or uh, you're judging, like I am sometimes. Yeah, and it's it's less work and more fun. Yeah, and it's it, it was nice to have that like drive reinvigorated in me. Yeah, um, for yeah. me, biggest accomplishment. Uh, well, there's two big ones. Um, one was obviously, you know, using MTG to fund purchasing a house. The second 
was getting one of my two holy grails in magic, the albino, the albino mountain goat. Uh, I'm still still trying to track down the second one, Brad. If you ever find it, I want it. Uh, it's just one of those like it was kind of a meme thing. The mountain goats were one of my favorite bands. I tweeted the lead singer John Darnielli years ago, and was like, "Hey, I play this weird game. There's this card called Mountain Goat. Would you sign him?" And I still have the screenshot of him tweeting me back where he was like, yes, I will sign exactly 1,000, no more, no less. And uh, (laughs) I've been collecting Mountain Goats, Mountain Goats misprints, whatever, and I've got, like, I'm back up to about 900-something Ice Age Mountain Goats now to get signed because I want to back my EDH decks in signed Mountain Goats. Oh, I've seen people do that. It's a nightmare. I did it with a deck that I then triple-sleeved with character guards. Okay. And I stopped playing the deck because it hurt. It was about this big. Yep. It hurt so bad to shuffle, so I just had to stop. Okay. Um, but those those are definitely, I think, the two two biggest things for me this year. Nice. Uh, kind of getting a nerd out over it, you know. Yeah, no, it's great. Um, you know, and for me, getting back into tournament magic, I'm gonna actually start stomping around uh, New England. I think we have GP Prov coming up, which is another sealed event. We have a Star City Worcester coming up, which I think is a team yep. event. Uh, team constructed i believe if they didn't change that one by now no i think it is team constructed so i just checked earlier yeah yeah so i'll probably be out there slinging legacy Mm, great Um, yeah uh but moving forward into 2019 uh, expectations from magic for the year is there anything on your mind that you'd like to Uh, say man i would love to see them stick to their guns about literally anything ever uh, we're not we're not going to have masterpieces for a while. I don't know if you've checked the Mythic Edition cards. They literally say Masterpiece in the bottom corner. It's there. Oh, that's and, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it says Masterpiece, and then we get box toppers, and then it's oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna do any any master sets for a while. Yep. And then we get Masters twenty five. We get Ultimate Masters, and now it's oh, we're we're done again. I would just like to see some type of consistency from Hasbro and their policies mm-hmm. and what they decide to do. Here it is. That's that's a lily. See, don't know if you can make it out right there. Oh, it says Masterpiece. Yeah. It's there. Um, that's that's what I would like to see because I think that, you know, as, you know, when people touch on the RL debate, it's a trust-based market. Yep. And it is. It is entirely faith-based. And their inability to stay consistent with any policy, procedure, anything uh, is awful. As a player and a vendor, I just want some type of consistency because it seems like every time they do something to reward an LGS, there's two things they do to take it away. Yeah, it's been a Every time they do something for players, they do something to take it away. Like, look, can we get NPRs back? That's all I want. I just want NPRs back. It would be great. There was a good program. I never felt disenfranchised as a player for not receiving them because it was on me to sign up. It was just that easy. Sign up and play an FNM, which I was already doing. Yeah, and like especially now, I get that they're pushing for Arena. They want Standard to be Arena. Mm -hmm. Well, Standard hasn't fired, really, because of Arena. Yeah. Bringing an NPR-type program promotes that traffic at the LGS level. So even if your standard, or even if your FNMs are draft or modern or legacy or tiny leaders or frontier, whatever you want it to be, 
just getting people in the store, I think, would be a good good indication from them that they care. Yeah, I, I think it's important, and I, I think something I need to clear up to stick to cons- to make things consistent is exactly how they want to handle uh, mythic. Is it mythic championships? Are the pro tours and magic fests are the GPS? But they've stated that not everything is going to be done in paper. So I think part of the consistency is going to be how they want FNMs to be handled compared to these other two large events. Yeah. If they're going to go out and they're going to say Magic Fests throughout the year located here, here, and here once a quarter are going to be digital only. Well, I mean, not located here, obviously, because it's digital. You know, these yeah. are going to be uh, digital. How are you going to support your player base on a Friday night going out to play that format? How are you going to make them want to buy into your product physically? Yeah, because, I mean, you, you shouldn't leave it up to the LGS to drive the traffic there because the LGS provides you a venue to sell your product. Mm-hmm. And I think it, it feels like to a lot of people at the LGS level that WotC has kind of forgotten about that. Yeah. But yeah. who am I? That, you know, that is you know, what it is. Uh, I, on, on my end, while I, I do agree with the consistency, I think what I would like them what I would like to see out of the game is just all around player support from the, the top to the bottom. And it, that encompasses bringing players into uh, the LGS. The, how are they going to support players playing standard? Are they con- going to continue up with the, uh, the Saturday things, the uh, store the championships? Uh, Store championships, there's the game days they do, which is where they give out the Planeswalker decks with the yeah. uh, $5 Dominaria Lanoir Elves. What's yeah. the one that's supposed to continue for, like, weeks? Is it the store championship? And then there's the round rob, the one where you come in and you get, like, the the specialty pack that's got two rares and a foil. Yeah. Right? That has a 2x Planeswalker point multiplier, that event. Yeah. Where buys may or may not matter. Right. Anymore. Yeah, who knows? So, I mean, that's... You know, they, they need. I think they just need to treat their players properly, have a consistent message, like you said there, and then when it comes to those the top thirty two players, they need to treat those players appropriately. And is it literally going to be a best of one scenario where you play an event with these thirty two players and you can get knocked out and somebody else replaces you? That doesn't seem. Yeah, uh, I mean, appropriate they, they said not... it's a year long contract, so presumably it's done yearly but yeah you're supposed to stay on that train as the top 32 but can you get knocked out of the top 32 and still maintain still your contract maintain your contract or is yep. it like well sorry you're out yep and we don't we know nothing about the new ptq system we don't know how people are going to be able to make it uh, into the mythic championships anymore and I, they've, they've had close to two months to try and treat their players properly and give us the information we need to figure out how we want to continue playing this game and at what level of competitiveness, yeah. and they just haven't done it. And I think 2019 no. needs to be a year where they really just focus in on that and have a consistent message about how they're going to treat their players now and into the future. And something else that I want to put on, uh, bring up as an addendum is when it comes to becoming an eSport, every, the vision of the company is still small. They cut back on the APAC events and they cut back on Latin America. Is it APAC has one 
Grand Prix and Latin America now has a big old goose egg. There's zero. Yeah. And yeah. because they're still trying to do everything themselves, they're not looking to really brand with or branch partner with anybody else. They're going to keep things really tight and kind of still closed off to the rest of the world. Whereas if they partner with somebody like DreamHack, that hosts events all over the world, it seems, yeah. quarterly. They can have worldwide exposure like League has, like Smite has. I'm pretty sure there's been some Blizzard stuff there, like Hearthstone or uh, Arena events, uh, like the, WoW Arena yep. events. The only thing they did is they said, oh, the first one's going to be at PAX. Well, PAX is fine, but it's literally just in the States. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't get you that global profile. They used to have PAX Australia, but their first one's at PAX East. I don't know if PAX oh, Australia yeah, PAX exists East. anymore, yeah. but they haven't announced if they're even going to do PAX West like they did for Battle of Zendikar when they put the Pro Tour at PAX West or something. Yeah. Like, they had all those big uh, hedrons uh, at PAX West. Yeah. Here. I think that's also something we need to see in... in I don't think it'll be a 2019 thing. That should happen in 2020 when they figure out exactly how they're going to handle the difference between an event that's going to be arena only, paper only, how they're going to support their players between the two to make sure people can transfer properly from one medium to another and play in these events. Then they can start looking into branching out and partnering with whomever they need to make these events an actual worldwide thing and bring events back to Latin America, APAC. Uh, There's still some GPs and stuff in Europe, but as a whole, they're on the decline in 2019 yeah. you know bring bring things back there and maybe we'll see another gp or was it a pro tour that was in south africa maybe we'll make it back out to the african content yeah 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 people play magic all over the world there's no reason why you can't partner with people that are all over the world and right lend you the, the space tool. yeah you don't have to worry about anything but shipping your stuff there like that's it they yeah. take care of the hall they're bringing the people in you have 32 players to send over can't be that hard can't yeah. be that hard to schedule a flight. Nope. <laughs> so, resolutions. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what department, personality, branch you want to take? Uh, yeah, I'd actually like to take... Uh, I don't know if the branch would just be arena or uh, digital content. Um, digital play, I guess, would be the better option. Um, and I would like to see from that department, both teams kind of coalesce and start working as one and mm-hmm. mirroring events from one medium to another, so it's kind of a flawless transfer. Right now, we have uh, the cubes running on Modo, which is fine, and we have all the pro- the like high-profile events running, like the Kibler Draft, and we have, like, Kriparian has a thing now um, yeah. coming up. I'd like to see some more standardization uh, between the product and get those two teams kind of running in sync. The orcs were basically just let go from Moto, which seems yeah. to me like they could be unifying at least whomever was taking care of Arena because that post that went up from one of the orcs didn't mention anything about the Arena product. They mentioned Moto, no. the website, uh, Hasbro orders involving magic, stuff like that, but uh, not that unification. And through that, you can get uh, cross branding and they can figure out how they want to move people over from Moto to Arena collection-wise, and maybe even start pulling up a bit of standardization and event pricing. Because on Moto, you can pay into a draft with packs and tickets, some combination. And on Arena, if you are drafter only, you play sealed only, you're winning packs that do nothing. WotC has this conversion rate. They can make this happen. And that's 
kind of this big rift between the pieces of software right now. I don't expect modern, I don't expect uh, older formats like that or popper. Uh, the cubes don't have to make it over unless they want to do a standard cube, which I think would be great, get people on Arena used to the cube format. and That actually would be sweet, yeah. Like if they start moving some of the product over, begin the unification, I think that's going to be incredibly helpful f for just the digital landscape that they're trying to create and craft, and then eventually push everything onto mobile. So what do you think is going to happen then? I think they're going to let Arena and Moto kind of ex exist separately, and I think they're going to schism the two by creating that uh, new format that they were talking about, Standard Plus or whatever, on Arena, and yeah. they're not going. They're going to let it exist on Arena, the way Popper exists on Moto. Those two formats will never align between the two in regards to firing uh, Watsi branded events. Like, sure, you can play the yeah. arena format on Moto, but it's going to be uh, individual kind of things. Jump into the lobby and play that way. Yeah, we'll casual lobbies rather than an lobby. actual event. Yeah, like Popper was at the beginning. And yeah. I think they're just going to start to fracture the community and basically say, all right, if you want to play standard, here is your application. If you want to play all the other formats, here is your application. And yeah, yeah that's that. That's uh, what I would anticipate happening as well. Uh, so as Wizards player development, my resolution would be... This is a good one. Yeah, to help reach out to new players through the esports venue mm -hmm. to try to help promote them and help them understand what it takes and reward them for the journey to becoming one of those 32 and to showcase personalities that help develop new pros, new talent. Because as player development, if I'm taking an eSports seriously, mm -hmm. it's about the personalities I put in place. Yes, It's about the showcase. Yep. It's about not having someone pull a PewDiePie and wear a KKK robe in the middle of a stream or something like that. Uh, as Wizards play development, what is actually going to happen is... None of that. I am going to bumble around so much trying to figure out what it is that my players want because some of them are screaming for one thing, others are screaming for another. Some of them want twin unbanned, some mm -hmm. of them want it to stay banned and want to see Deathrite unbanned instead. Yep. I don't think Wizards has the solution for everything. I don't think they have the solution currently for one-tenth of the problems they need to solve. No. I don't think it's overly fatalistic to say that magic is at a crossroads right now. It clearly is. We're trying to diverge from what is traditionally a paper game into the esports arena, mm -hmm. which is obviously where a ton of money is. I don't expect WotC player development to know how to handle that. Yeah. Uh, there was an article that was making the rounds shortly after Jerry T pulled his protest at Nationals uh, that said, you know, at one point, Magic was the game about the pros. And oh, they yeah. called the different Yeah, eras. the Invisibles. Yeah. Yeah. We're in the Invisible uh, era. Remember the Planeswalker era of Magic or the Invisible era of Magic? We're, we're in the, yeah, and that's, we were in the Invisible era. Then we went to the Planeswalker era. era. And now we may be getting back to the Invisibles. Mm-hmm. If, if the Invisibles play more on Arena, if they show up more there and they stop going to LGSs and Watsi only cares about 
the pros, the competitive, the spike players at actual events, we could get back to an era of the invisibles. And that's, I would not be surprised to see that happen at all. And that's, that's probably honestly my big fear for it. Yeah. Is and, that we do go back to that. Yeah. And for reference, the three eras that Jerry mentioned was the pro era, which is the beginning of the game up until about M10 and where the game was primarily focused about the people that come out and play at their events, not just FNM, but the Grand Prix level and into the pro tour where they were easily trackable via DCI. The invisibles were the people who were playing uh, kitchen table. They were buying yeah. the product, they were digesting it in every way, shape, or form they could get, but they were not utilizing their DCI numbers. They were looking for a, a way to play the game that suited what they wanted. So to bring the Invisibles out, WotC started to change the product a little bit, and we started getting these kind of commander-feeling sets. Yeah. And the Planeswalker era, uh, I think came before the Invisible era. That was basically like Lorwyn when the Planeswalkers came out. Yeah. It was when this. It was about the story and the theme yeah. of the game as a product, rather than people. Yeah. So, uh, and it's it's a really good article if you can find it. Uh, it's kind of been buried because it's so long. Uh, if we can find it, we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, I, I actually still have a bookmark, so we will okay. put it in the show notes for this episode. It's yeah. really worth reading. It, it, it definitely is. It's one of those pieces of not just uh, critique work, but just analysis of the game as a whole that's worthwhile years later yeah um, now a as player development let's say you know these changes are made and you're able to handle uh, telling a story with your players handling growth and development and uh, culturing new players do you ever go back to a team series and say okay I, I think so absolutely okay. I think you know I Especially for me as a viewer, I loved the team series. Uh, I loved seeing, you know, PVDR on a team, Finkel on a team, Boot on a team. Mm -hmm. These people who, granted, with the Hall of Fame gone, who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. But these people who had actual stories. And you could see, you know, two or three people on a team that all had stories that you followed back in the era of the beginning of the, the game. Pros, the pro era, yeah. Yeah, the pros. And... They actually converged, and you could see that kind of coalesce. And it's also really interesting because, like, at the high level, it really is like a clubhouse. Yeah. I mean, these guys all know each other. They're not, They've you know, forever. Yeah, they don't hate each other. Like, sure, they have issues now and then, but by and large, they all recognize we're at this high echelon of this game that has millions of players. Mm -hmm. And we are coming together to represent that. And especially when you had like the Hararuya teams that represented regions or countries or mm -hmm. stuff like that. You know, I if you want to go to an eSport and you want to compete with, you know, or be analogous to the highest levels of actual sport, yeah, bring the team series back. Let's have an Olympics. Yeah. Let's have worlds. You know, let's have the North American team, the Chinese team, everything. I would love to see that happen again. Okay. As player development, that would be the culmination of your dream as a Magic player, to play on your national team, to play on your sponsored team from Channel Fireball or whatever the case may yeah. be. That would I would love that as yeah. player development. It, like Playing the game in the pro era, there was some charm to winning a Grand Prix and making the pro tour, but it was world, so that's where you want it to be. You, like, the, you know, play the game, stake your claim, or whatever that slogan yeah. was for a hot minute, yeah. was yeah. basically 
gearing towards worlds. That's what your goal yeah. was for the longest time. It's like, you sure you can win a pro tour and you have that minute of fame, but now you're going to be at worlds. And that's where things yeah. really start to really start to happen. That small well, tournament representing your country. Yeah. And, and it's not just a small tournament. It's a small tournament of like the 32 best players in the world. And there's been like, I think there's one person that's won worlds player of the year or pro tour and player of the year. And like, is it Salvato? Ha- no, Salvato didn't. No, it wasn't Salvato. Uh, but to be in the company of people who can say, "I won Magic Worlds," mm-hmm. that's like the pinnacle of what you would want to do. Yeah. No, I, that's definitely uh, an area within Watsi that seems to need help because we have no idea what's going on. This is one of those. It's not even a gray area where they've mentioned some things that we can kind yeah. of infer. It's pretty much just a black hole. We have no idea. It's what's going on in it's there. similar to when Fallout seventy six came out, mm-hmm. and Bethesda didn't tell players anything; they had no clue. That's it. Kind of feels like that's where we are, as we're all in the dark for what's happening. They announce all these huge changes mm-hmm. at the highest level that have impacts all the way below it, but don't announce anything about what's happening down here. Okay, and people are just lost. Yeah, is what it seems like. Yeah. It makes sense, and it's really hard just because everybody's just lost. Yeah. I assume is... So Oakland was the last Grand Prix. Everything is a Magic Fest moving forward, and Cleveland and London are the last two Pro Tours. Well, they're still called Mythic Championships, but they're the last two Pro Tours under the old PPTQ format. Okay. Which they announced is changing, but didn't say how. Yeah, that's, that's the... Well... They announced that there's ones you can just show up to, and then there's ones you have a queue threshold for. Yes, yeah, but that's all we have. We have no information. It's just that announcement was made well before even the eSports announcement, and we're still waiting on on that. Yeah. So hopefully somewhere between Cleveland and London, we have an idea of how to queue for a Mythic Championship before the next one. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. All right. So that all set aside, uh, looking back at the releases and events of the past year what in 2018 was uh the creme de la creme for you oh boy um yeah and we had a lot we had the consistent climb of reserve list cards we had in there some ridiculous climbs on things like wall of kelp right that was this year frankenstein's monster yeah, yeah. All, all those just like poster boy for the reserve list bubble that yeah. everyone pointed to and said this is how you know it's a bubble. This card shouldn't be $30. Yep. Uh, uh, to me, be? I think my favorite thing was... Honestly, and this is pure nostalgia here, RTRTR. Okay. Going, going back to... Not RTR, but to me it was going back to the original Ravnica. Mm-hmm. Because that was, to me, when Magic was at its best, its most healthy for standard. Mm-hmm. Because you had so many diverse strategies that worked. And even, it was true in RTR as well. And you got away from this, like, rock, paper, scissors format. Yep. And granted, there's still, you know, Jeskai, Golgari, Phoenix at the high level. But you're also seeing a smattering of just... You know, some Abzan lists, some Selesnia tokens, some Naya lists, and not the philosophy people <laughs> lists running Naya. Huh. 
Uh, and I, I like that Standard has gotten back to that because prior to that, you had a year and a half where Standard was garbage. Mm-hmm. And I was glad to see Standard get back to a healthy state. That was, to me, one of the best things that happened last year. And it was evidence it didn't prove. It was evidence that occasionally Watsy can figure something out. Yeah. This is the first set that play design was at full power for, I believe. Uh, Paul Chion talked about that. He came in. Yep. When he made it, he was able to dabble in uh, Ravnica. That was the first set that they actually got to start testing. And the uh, first one they saw from you know, wherever yeah. it was to release. The next one, I think. The second one or the set after that will be the first one that they got after they were all on board. Yeah. So we'll see how things go. Uh, for me in uh, 20, uh, 2018, it was going to be the UMA release, which basically represents the last master set. It was uh, Graveyard Masters, so to speak. But I think looking back on everything, the acknowledgement that Magic is and should have been an eSport for the last four to six years is the most exciting part of the year for me because it instills hope for the future of the game. Uh, One of the the biggest things about this game is always the concern over longevity of it. You know, how long can it last? It's 25 years old. It's not as widely known as a lot of other uh, card games and especially... Hearthstone. Yeah. uh, Well, even just paper card games like Ascension. True. That burned white hot for a really long time. Yeah. You know, and that was a game for gamers by gamers. It's not something like cards against humanity where your mom knows about it yeah this this is still uh, a game that's that's niche but making it an esport kind of ensures that we're going to be able to play this game for a lot longer than we'd expected it to it means that the quality of the product should stay fairly high and fairly consistent you know we shouldn't dip down into things like kamagawa block that often Ugh. unless they need to just really reset power level I mean, the lowest we got after that was Amonkhet, and even that was tolerable. Yeah. You know, and whether or not Hasbro is using the product to prop up the rest of uh, their portfolio doesn't really matter to me that much as an esport. They do it a lot better, and they can lean on magic a lot harder and try and bleed as much blood from this stone as possible. But... It's really about the fact that it solidified that the esports announcement solidifies this game as it going to be in existence for years to come. Yeah. So, to me, that was the most important part of 2018. Yeah, year in review. That's fair. Uh, Like I said, after that was UMA release, and then the banning of Deathrite Shaman in Legacy. Whatever. Political prisoner. I didn't care that it opened up four-color shenanigans. I cared that I couldn't put Gristlebrand in my graveyard and then a turn later bring it back. That's fair. That was was keeping me down. That's fair. But, you know, we wanted to keep things a little neat and tidy this episode and just kind of not quite filler, but we're in a downtime coming out of the holidays and we're on the precipice of a new set release, so there's not a whole lot going on. Boy. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, so we'll kind of end things here. Uh, in our standard fashion with our picks for the upcoming time frame. And I want to I want to go first on this one because I've had it on my uh, board for a couple of weeks now. And it's going to be Beast Whisperer. And let me bring up this bad boy because unless you're really paying attention, 
I don't know how many people are going to know this. But it is an elf, surprisingly, with the name Beast Whisperer. For two and two green, two three, with uh, no keyword ability, except draws a card whenever you play a creature spell. Yeah. And up until this past weekend, this has been featured in a number of uh, elves lists that have top aided modern classics for Star City games. I believe it's been yep. in a couple five O's. And as you can see on the stocks image I have up now, it started at about $5 pre-order. Then once uh, Guilds was released, it dropped to a dollar and is basically roped from there. And as a two-of in this uh, deck in Modern, while Elves is still not terribly competitive, the fact that it kind of has this Glimpse of Nature-esque card yeah. that it can really cast fairly easily on three gives the deck a little more legs, and I really doubt we're going to see it winning uh, any modern 5-0s or, sorry, any modern events on Moto, and I really don't think we're going to see it win a Classic or an Open, but we will continue to see it pop up, and this card needs to be given respect. Uh, also, real quick, if this is to be believed, the foil is still only $4. So it's a 4x multiplier right now between uh, regular and foil, and I think uh, the regular is where you go, and if that card jumps up to 3, then the foil probably goes up towards 10, so, you know. Yeah. Better, better ROI on the non-foil then. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is going to be a long-term hold because you need to wait for results, and it's not going to be one five zero or one classic win. That pops yeah, it's going to take a couple. Yeah, you're going to need to see to consistency. There. Yeah, even with two yeah. results almost back to back, it's still stick. It's still stuck at a dollar. But I think it's the card that moving forward we're going to see uh, pop in price. Fair. Uh, similar in terms of hold time, mine is actually Overgrown Tomb. So the RTRTR version is, I think, TCG low around 525 right now, which, that's super cheap. Mm -hmm. But uh, we're about to get Orzhov, mm -hmm. which, granted, not super mid-rangey from what we've seen so far. But uh, it does allow, Ab God the Shrine does allow Abzan to have a little bit more support. Uh, you get extra access to black and white mana. Night of Autumn could go up. Yep. Additionally... Rock has been putting up really good numbers in Modern lately. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty modular deck. Your core is typically... Your your barrier is Lily Goif. Mm -hmm. Still. It's always going to be that in the deck. And I guess Bob, if you're on Bob's in the list. Yeah. Some people are, some aren't. But I think it's a list that does that mid-range grindy game, especially in a Star City meta, better than Jun does. Mm -hmm. Because... You don't just lose to blue-white. Uh, I think it's a good four to five to six month hold before you start to see it tick back up again. Yeah. It's going to be in standard forever Yeah, at this point. Our next rotation is next fall, like 2020. Yes. So we've got it for a while. And we're about to get the new set that it's not going to be printed in anymore, so you're going to have peak opening from draft. I just think it's a good overall hold for... Honestly, I'd go up to seven bucks on it. Yeah. Because... I think it should be a twelve to fifteen dollar card again in a year. No, it makes sense. Uh, my only concern with uh, the Shocklands is we're doing the three sets in a row of Rav, and while they haven't said these are going to be like continuous things, we could wind up with a Dragon's Maid style uh, printing of Shocks. shocks and, yeah, yeah, that but, is fair. But the percentage of Shocks that made it into population based on Dragon's Maze alone was negligible. It was like. Yeah. Was it one a box or two a box, something like that? Like 1.3 a box on average, something ridiculous. Like yeah. old foils. Yeah, and, and 
I don't think it's going to have that huge, huge an effect on it. It's just it's one of those things that's like, well... Mm. It, yeah, it is something to be mindful of. You're correct, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I, I will agree with everything else. Uh, looking at results from this past weekend and even before that, uh, with Jadine Comparin's gone from Star City, now that she's on the play design team, rest in peace, uh, yeah. nobody's really playing Jund to higher uh, you know, high finishes, but Black Green is able to just grind it out way better. So Yeah. We'll see what happens. Um, just off the top of your head, I don't know if you know uh, prices. So, you know, we're looking at Overgrown Tomb from RTRTR, which is like five to seven, depending on how many you're picking up and from where. Yeah. Boyf, uh, is not UMA, but Modern Masters three is down to like forty-ish. You can f- like people will accept yeah. that offer on Facebook or forty-five. Yeah, they'll accept thirty-five, forty if you snap a whole set from uh, them too. Lily, so. do you know Lily Last Hope off the top of your head? Last Hope is sitting at around twenty five, twenty six. Okay. Last I checked, I believe, uh, and Vale went down, started going back up again because Uma prices recovered incredibly quickly. Yeah. Uh, and is around like seventy, which Bob is around forty, forty five, fifty somewhere in there. Because yeah, he's not seeing play in Legacy. Uh, he only sees play in two decks and Modern. It's just not around really. No, it makes sense. Um, and while we're talking about uh, UMA, there have been rumors about a, uh, a second printing or a second release of UMA that uh, while they are floating, we don't have anything official on. We have no note from yeah. Distro, no note from LGS. Um, yeah, I've, uh, I've asked our Distro if he heard anything, and he says there's been nothing official down the pipeline. Uh, to two different distributors, so... Yeah. so uh, yeah. Maybe. You gotta, yeah, you got to take this with a grain of salt. If it's not going through distro, it's going around them. That means it could be up on Amazon, which is now the the web store for Hasbro. This could be the first big release they put up on there. So There are more boxes on Amazon oh. at the old price. That's so Watts, they, they are fulfilled by Wizards of the Coast currently. Okay. So I guess so. if you're looking for uh, cheap UMA boxes, then that's the place to go. Yep. Uh, with that, I have been Halt. I am Reptar. You can find me on Twitter under that handle. Thirsty Sizzler here. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Appreciate it. You can find us both at uh, MTV uh, Cabalcast on Twitter, and this podcast will be available in iTunes, SoundCloud, and because I say that, you should be watching on YouTube. Subscribe and yes. like. Yes, please. Thanks. Bye. Bye.